Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Last week the test was delayed. This week the car of the future will not be seen till at least 2013. And do you have what it takes to be part of V8 supercars? It's immensely rewarding. You can get very, very busy. It's an intensely dynamic company, fast moving. Look at all that and more today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The car of the future will not be phased in during 2012 as originally planned by V8 Supercars. V8 Supercars have confirmed that the kickoff of the future of the series will be at the first race of 2013, where every team on the grid will be required to have the new generation car ready for racing. The change in plans has been brought about by the series wanting to make the biggest impact with the car's launch. But behind the scenes, teams are getting frustrated that the cost savings that were mooted are not going to be so, and many important technical aspects of the car are still yet to be finalised. V8 Supercars are looking for a digital marketing executive to join the team. The role will be responsible for developing and managing, also maintaining all direct and digital marketing. Cole Hitchcock from V8 Supercars talked about the position. You know, the online world is 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 massive. It's untapped, um, and everybody uh, is clearly um, you know adopting the similar sorts of strategies. So you know, it, it is about transitioning. Um, and appealing to new audiences. Also, V8 Supercars, do you have a law degree, a high level of commercial acumen, excellent communication skills? You might want to speak to V8 Supercars. You can check out both jobs on the V8 Supercars website. Stephen Johnson is looking forward to next year and a new teammate. He told the V8 Insiders that team success in 2010 proved that they are the giant killers of the V8 Supercar Series. As you know, we're not, uh, we're certainly not the most well-funded team out there, um, but we've got the best and the smartest bunch of blokes, and um, you know that's where the wins have come from. Well, the floods up in Queensland are certainly something to worry everyone, including Craig Lowndes, whose wife Natalie is on the farm, whilst he and the kids are down in Melbourne. Cole Hitchcock talked about some of the plans that V8 Supercars have in place to help raise funds for those affected by the flooding. What what we're doing at the moment is um, you may or may not have seen um, Jerry Harvey on. The flood appeal uh, the other day, they're having a, a quite a big open family, um, you know, help our mates in need um, street party here on the Gold Coast on, on Friday night. Um, we're throwing all of our weight behind of that um, with, with a lot of different things that we're supporting that with. So that, that will be our first foray into, into the, 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 the flood appeal. I think, um, you know, many individual drivers and teams are, are doing their own things, um, some of them 
uh, privately, some of them publicly. Well, we mentioned Craig Lowndes before. He told the V8 Insiders that last season was a roller coaster. We've, we've been up and down and uh, we had great success and haven't uh, finished off where we wanted to. So uh, if next year we can be as consistent as we've finished this back half of the season, I think we're in a good showing. Another who battled through the ups and downs of 2010 was Tony D'Alberto. All in all, though, it has been a better year for us. Um, but yeah, definitely a roller coaster. D'Alberto is joining the Ford ranks with Wilson Security Racing. It's the third different team in three years. Garth Tander will be the only driver in the family for the time being, as it was announced this week that wife Leanne is expecting the couple's first child in July this year. Congratulations both to Garth and Leanne. Mother Energy Drinks Racing is looking for a number two mechanic. We spoke to Andy McElray about the difference between being a V8 supercar mechanic in a small team up against one of the big teams. Probably the biggest difference in the, in the bigger teams, um, obviously you've You've got your more pigeonholed in, in your level of responsibility that you have, but um, in the smaller team, everyone needs to pick up um, a little bit more work and look out for each other a little bit more and um, just to get the, the same end result. And if you're interested in joining Mother Energy Drink Up on the Gold Coast, how can you get in touch with Andy? Um, they can email me at andy at autosports.com.au and... Um, We'll uh, have a talk to We'll have a special V8 Insiders Extra this weekend, this Saturday in fact, talking about working in V8 supercars. I hope you can join us for that. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders after the break. Mark Fogarty and Andrew Van Llewellyn will join me. I hope you'll stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Auto Action, it's Mark Fogarty. Happy New Year, folks. Happy New Year, Craig. Happy New Year to everyone. And also from Motorsport E-News, it's Andrew Van Llewellyn. And uh, it's good to have you on the show for the first time, Andrew. It's good to be here for the first time, Craig. And, uh, well, interesting time for everyone in V8 supercars as we get set for a new season and uh, we find out that the car of the future, that shining beacon in the future of what V8 supercars will become, has been delayed. Not unsurprisingly, though, folks, because uh, I don't think all the teams are completely on board yet. Not surprising at all. You're entirely right. All the teams um, are not on board by any stretch of the imagination. Concerns have been growing for some months um, about the direction that Car of the Future has been um, taken, taking and also um, the fact that increasingly it appears that um, it's not going to be the cost-saving panacea that they've been promoting it as, in fact, it will end up 
so uh, some uh, team boss tell me costing um, as much, if not slightly more, than the current cars. There's also a concern that um, with the adoption or the planned adoption of a transaxle, um, the gearbox and differential unit at the back of the car all in one unit, um, that um, it's just one of um, several measures that have been taken with Car of the Future in recent months that are basically, you know, done to uh, attract other manufacturers into the series, you know. So they're throwing themselves, as it were, on the altar of um, gaining new manufacturers in, into the championship, which um, people remain rightly sceptical that um, anything will do uh, will do that, that anything will attract anyone other than Holden Ford into the championship. So, yeah, um, the delays are not surprising, and um, I suspect that um, this whole uh, business is not over yet. Andrew, your thoughts about this car of the future and, and really the angst that it's causing down pit lane? Well, look, I think that the fact of the matter is it's hard for teams to be on board at the moment because they don't really know what they're getting on board of or on board to because what is the car of the future? We still, I mean, the details are still so few and far between. Uh, and, you know, look, I, I don't see a huge problem with it being delayed. If it gets delayed a season, if it gets delayed two seasons, better it be delayed by a year and be done right than rushed in because as folks touched on, it, it, you know, my greatest concern about this whole car of the future thing is that it just, it, it just becomes nothing. It does become either not saving any money or costing money. And, you know, this is a great chance for, uh, for the category to get a real shot, shot in the arm in terms of, you know, maybe, uh, inviting new, uh, becoming more inviting to new manufacturers, maybe just making it more attractive to the manufacturers that we've got. This is a huge chance. And if it's not done properly, then it's a chance wasted. So, look, let's give it another gear and let's uh, let's give these guys and let's try and make something that is cheaper uh, and better for the category and the sustainability of V8 supercars. For V8 supercars, the future is the opportunity for V8 supercars to take on the, the Mark Larkin model of one supplier for one component. They went out for tenders already with about seven different components and... You had two big schools of thought back uh, seven, eight years ago. The Larkin version, which was this very communist model, if you like, one supplier that does everyone the same thing and the best engineers and drivers become the best race or the most successful teams. Then you had Larry Perkins in the other corner who's uh, now not a team owner, but he was saying you get seven suppliers who supply parts that are engineering-wise similar and you let people pick the one they want. Are we starting to see that the communist model is not uh, as popular as the capitalist model because there are serious sponsorship arrangements that people have that get locked out of closed tenders? It's going to be a big topic of discussion and an ongoing argument, if you like, about the direction in which Car of the Future is taking the sport. Um, we're in grave danger at the moment of the whole thing being dumbed down to a point where it's nothing more than um, you know, spec racing. Um, and as we saw in uh, IndyCar racing in the United States, you know that eroded the fan base tremendously simply because people just got sick and tired of watching pretty much, well, not pretty much, exactly the same cars racing and part of motor racing's attraction traditionally has been you know, a variation of makes. Well, we lost that a long time ago in V8 supercars, but progressively it's been watered down so that, you know, the cars, apart from some body panels, are, you know, becoming um, almost indistinguishable and under car of the future, they will effectively be indistinguishable in all but, you know, a few body panels. Now, while there's economic rationale behind this rationalisation, 
um, you know, it remains to be seen whether the fans will will embrace this idea. And if it is not a cost-saving initiative as it was originally um, promoted, well, you have to ask the question, you know, why bother? Why not just refine what we've got already? Um, the car of the future just seems to have veered off, you know, on a tangent. Um, and, in, well, in their bid to simplify everything, I think they've made it much more complicated unwittingly. And, um, in fact, you know, their efforts to make the series appeal to new and other manufacturers, I think, is in grave danger of having the reverse effect because it's going to be so standard, standardised and so simplified that the likes, say, particularly of your BMWs, your Mercedes, your Audis, you know, even maybe a Nissan or a Mazda, you know, if there were any interest, um, you know, it's hard to grasp, you know, whether, in fact, they would be interested when, when everything is so standardised. This is the great debate, and it's going to be ongoing for some months, um, if not years, and, and also I might add that we're none the wiser as to what the engine regulations may or may not be. Apparently, you know, those up at V8 Supercar headquarters, they know what they're thinking about the engine regulations, whether they're going to be pretty similar to now, whether they'll go to a more modern, you know, um, overhead cam, multi-valve, uh, engine or they're going to have different engines for different manufacturers you know they may know but uh, they've told nobody in, including the team so still lots of question marks hanging over car of the future i think hmm. andrew is the ultimate problem though that these cars are getting further and further away from what you and i can go out and affordably buy and drive every day on the road does the series need to go to the V6 Supercar Championship where there's manufacturers and people have an affinity with the cars that they're driving around with? I don't think technically they need to do that. I don't think anyone wants to go and watch a bunch of standard Commodores and Falcons crash into each other because it just wouldn't be all that exciting for starters. You know, you don't want to lose that V8 uh, sound. I think that's something that, 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 that the, one of the things we do know about this car of the future is that it's going to be a V8 and it's going to sound a lot like the V8s we have right now do because that's uh, a real appeal for the category and I think that you know they're going to they're, that's a big, losing that would be a bigger danger than losing uh, losing the, the the pedigree with the road car at the end of the day the cars are nothing like road cars uh, but neither are Formula One cars a Renault. Formula One car doesn't look much like a uh, like a Renault Clio, so that isn't necessarily a huge issue. People will still be loyal to the brand, whether the car uh, is exactly you know is bog standard or or if it's a complete racing car. And for the sake of putting on good racing, I think the series needs to move. But we don't want production car racing; it's not exciting to watch. We all know that, so I don't think that's too big a deal. You can go too far out of the way, like NASCAR, where all the cars look exactly the same, and I know that's been an issue with some supporters in america as well because with their car of tomorrow the cars look identical it's just different stickers which isn't new but in terms of the, the body shape and the silhouette itself is it's identical so you need to be able to tell a ford from a holden but as long as you can do that if the cars sound good and they look good and they go fast that's all that really uh, that's really going to matter to the fan base in my opinion folks that same question to you are we getting too far away from what people can empathize with certainly a very great danger that we are this is a question that i've been grappling with you know for the last few weeks i may even be changing my opinion on whether car of the future is a good idea in its current format such as we know it initially i thought it, it was i'm having my doubts i you know i do worry that we're heading way too far away from um 
any sort of relationship with road cars. I mean, I, I just don't see where the, the Holden or the Ford DNA is in these vehicles. You know, it's um, barely identifiable in the current cars and the car of the future vehicles. It will be, well, effectively non-existent. And I, I can't see that being a very attractive to either Holden or Ford when they can't have any involvement technically. I mean, they've had little for the last few years anyway, but they used to have some. And, you know, I just wonder you know, in the longer term, you know, what it's going to mean when there's absolutely, you know, even further removed, no relationship whatsoever, you know, to, to the high-performance road cars, at least, you know, in recent, in living memory anyway, you could, you could draw some sort of link, you know, between a Holden Commodore SS or HSV something or other and equally, you know, a Falcon XR8 or an FPV something, you know, you could draw a line that linked it, you know, to the race cars, but that's long gone, and you know a lot of the popularity of touring car racing in this country, you know, if not internationally, has been based on you know some sort of relationship between you know homologation special road cars and the race cars. That's long gone, and for valid reasons. But I just wonder if we're not heading so far away that we'll lose what has been a very valuable component of the attraction of you know touring car racing, you know, to people. Um, you know, out on the street? It's and a big question. I don't know if I know the answer, but, you know, I'm thinking about it. And we're almost back full circle on the conversation because if all the cars are the same, then you can't differentiate yourself in your marketing by being a manufacturer of excellence and here's our V8 supercar to prove it, which is what Renault can do in Andrew's example of Formula One Renault. We need- well, I mean... Their yeah, supercars keep telling us that it's moving away from, you know, being based on manufacturer support or, you know, fan support for, you know, each of the manufacturers. It's going towards drivers and teams. And, you know, while sometimes it appears that way, other times, you know, when there's drivers moving from one side to the other or a threat of, you know, Holden or Ford, you know, reducing or withdrawing their support, there's suddenly, you know, a great uproar and, um, you know, the fans appear almost out of the woodwork, as it were. Um, so, again, another vexed question of, you know, what is it that attracts people to watch the sport? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a battle between manufacturers as well as drivers and as well as teams? Or is it just a pure sporting contest that's between teams and drivers? Um, I don't know. Nobody seems to have satisfactorily come up with figures to prove either way, to my mind, at the moment. Mm. Well, uh, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders as Andrew Van Llewellyn joins us along with Mark Fogarty. And, uh, Andrew, first of all, the series in 2011, do you think it's stronger than ever, more professional than ever, on its way up or on its way down? Uh, Look, Craig, we can be a bit cynical sometimes in the media. We can get caught up with TV figures and attendance figures and uh, and all this sort of stuff and, you know, who's paying for their ride, who's pulled out a sponsor that's, uh, that's, you know, 
their, their father's company or their uncle's company or something like that. But at the end of the day, for domestic racing series, you have to say the V8 supercars is fairly strong. I mean, we've been talking a lot in the first part of the pod about how important manufacturer support is and how a lot of this car of the future is being geared up around manufacturer support. But, I mean, compared to the likes of, of DTM and the World Touring Car Championship, DTM in particular, which is quite a similar model in the fact that there's two different manufacturers. Fiat um, 2 isn't as reliant on the support from the manufacturers as those series are, and that can be a good thing. I don't know. I mean, it would be a very interesting situation if one of the four to hold and decided to pull out a V8 supercar racing, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that the series would immediately uh, implode. And I think if, you know, before BMW coming next year, if if Mercedes or Audi pulled out the DTM, it would be very tough for that series to keep going. So, you know, I, the series is, is in a reasonably strong position. What, what I'd like to see the... Um, the powers that B stop doing is trying to take on AFL and NRL and cricket because these are sports that are that are long gone. These are these are the big sports in this country, and I think we need to look at Fiat supercars uh, globally compared to the other domestic series around the world, and even Formula One, and say, hey, you know, things could be a lot worse. This is a professional sport that's floating along all on its own uh, in what's been, especially the last couple of years, in what's been a pretty tough economic uh, situation, and you know that, that that's pretty good. Folks? Well, arguably on a world scale, the V8 Supercar Championship can claim to be, you know, the third most important or the fifth or the fourth most important series in the world. You could mount an argument, you know, for any of those rankings and um, I think it would be a fair judgment, you know, right up the top obviously is Formula One and then NASCAR. And below that, you know, three to five, it's you know, it's a bit of a squabble, you know, between V8 supercars, may, maybe DTM, and you know, another series somewhere. Um, WRC? Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's just it's staggering along. You know, it's, um, had it not been for an infusion of a couple of new manufacturers, including Mini, it was you know, it was on its last leg. So no, it's 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 barely in the top ten, in my opinion. But. So on a world scale, yes, it's looking good and it's weathered the economic crisis a lot better than pretty much any other series. But there are still several concerns about the championship. Um, I think it's fair to say that it's plateaued in the last couple of years. Um, It hasn't made the big move forward um, that has been expected for some time. And the reality is that while on the surface everything is looking good, there are some warning signals. Um, You know, crowds were down last year. TV audiences continue to, to decline, and while Fiat supercars say that's debatable, and it's because there are people you know are watching it on other different platforms. I don't see that. You know, the only place you can actually watch it live or semi-live is on free-to-air television on the Seven Network, and those figures are declining and have been for the last couple of years. So there's obviously a problem there. You know, some of the events are losing um, crowds. Um, it's a bit more plausible that you know. Family budgets are a bit tighter now, so, you know, that's got to be worked on. And, you know, there are, the teams are not as healthy as is made out. You know, below the top teams, you know, a lot of teams, most of the teams are struggling. Some are very marginal. The sports media profile, mainstream media profile is, you know, it's very low profile, almost non-existent, certainly compared to the other major league sports and V8 supercars. You know, is essentially a major league sport now, but it's just not getting the recognition in the mainstream media. Um, and 
you know, so, you know, there are things that need to be addressed. Oh, and we've lost one of the international rounds this year, so while they're talking that they can now do up to six overseas rounds or events, we've lost one this year. So, you know, the garden is not completely rosy. You know, there's no crisis going on, but there are issues and concerns that need to be addressed, you know, lest that the whole thing starts going backwards. And also, what's very worrying to me is this talk of, well, not a talk of a sell-off of SEL stake in V8 supercars, but it, the fact that they've brought in an outside advisor to 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 look at um, ways and means of um, well monetizing, if you like, SEL share. That that's a concern because if SEL, which effectively means Tony Cochran, is even thinking of getting out of the sport, well, there goes the driving force behind it, and um, suddenly it's open slather, and you can get you know. Any old organisation with the means, you know, buying into the sport. Um, so, and you know, where does that leave everyone? You know, well, up the proverbial without a, a paddle, I would think. Mm. And Andrew, I was going to say uh, to you that with SEL talking about their future of their twenty-five percent, their marketing and their links into the entertainment industry is partly what's made their supercar events so successful. And that, in turn, now is, what, nine rounds of the championship? Yeah, look, they've certainly got a good stake of it. Now, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this whole um, this whole sale thing, this whole investigation, putting a worth on what their, what their share actually is. I mean, it could be a bit of safeguarding as well. I mean, if the going is okay at the moment, I think folks summed it up perfectly saying it's not a crisis, but, you know, there are warning signs. Everything's going okay at the moment. Let's put a price on it now while it's probably as good as it's going to get in the foreseeable future so that if we do need to get rid of it, if we do hit those crisis points, we have a reasonably good figure that we can shop it around to people. Whether that's going to work or not is another question, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the thinking behind it. In terms of V8 Supercar events, yeah, they've taken on a large portion of it. It's been fairly successful with the uh, with the whole, you know, let's, the whole rock and race thing or whichever the phrases uh, V8 Supercars use compared to, uh, to Formula One who have done a similar thing in the last couple of seasons. You've got to put some concerts on now. That seems to be something that's pretty much going with every sport. If you look at the Australian Open now, I've noticed all the marketing for this year's Australian Open, uh, which gets underway here in Melbourne in a few days, it's all about the concerts they're putting on now. It seems that sport isn't enough anymore. You know, if you go to a cricket game, it has to be 2020 with fireworks and um, and dancers on the side of the uh, on the side of the field of play. So it seems that sport needs something else to keep pushing it along, uh, and concert seems to be it. But that's not something that's just restricted to motorsport. But that, to me, says that the sport on its own isn't putting on a good enough show. And folks, I would have thought that the last. The, the last half of this year from Bathurst onwards was as good a racing as we've seen in this country for some time. Oh, yeah. Look, at the moment, there's nothing wrong with the racing. As you say, the finish to last year's series was, you know, astoundingly competitive and dramatic with all its twists and turns and, um, you know, a very dramatic finale in Sydney and a, and a very dramatic result. Um, but, you know, is that representative of what we can expect you know forever and a day um i think it's part of the swings and rounds of round of swings and roundabouts of, of motor racing and while it was um exciting to watch we can't sit back and expect that to happen every year um in fact the signs are that you know um once again this year it'll just be if you like the big three or the big two and a half anyway depending on what happens with hrt so you know you look at team vodafone ford performance vehicles and maybe HRT, you know, being the ones battling it out, because I certainly don't expect Jim Beam Racing, 
Dick Johnson Racing, whatever you want to call it, um, being, you know, the same sort of factor this year. You know, the, the, the place has been, well, essentially gutted of, of the best personnel um, and won't have the same sort of budget it had for the last couple of years. So um, I wouldn't expect them to be in, in the equation and certainly without a top-grade driver like James Courtney, it would be remarkable if they were competitive. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, everything channeling down to, you know, three big operations you know, one of which has to get up off the floor again. And um, more and more, they're sucking most of the big sponsorship, you know, whatever it is that's going around, goes to these three operations. And that's why I said before that a lot of the teams or most of the teams below them are really struggling. You know, you might have one or two others are going to pull, you know, a sponsored genie out of the hat, Kelly Racing with Pepsi Max being one. But otherwise, it's a, it's, it's a big struggle out there to um, attract decent sponsorship. And um, some team bosses will tell you that Car of the Future, because it's not going to save money, is not helping at all. Mm. Well, we need to take a break. Guess and go on the other side of this. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, the white flag lap now, and we're moving gas and go into the white flag lap because we have Fogues and Andrew Van Llewellyn here, and it's been a fascinating chat. Gas and go brought to you by VADX Magazine with war paint on the cover. That's right, the new liveries of many of the new cars. Gas and go, five questions in three minutes. Can we do it? Time starting from now. Wilson Security Racing, folks. Why is it the Gypsy sponsor three different teams in three years? I've no idea. That whole thing seems to be pretty much an indulgence because they've had opportunities to go with bigger and better teams and um, they just don't seem to. So I don't know why. They just are. Mm, I would have thought Tim Slade would be a franchise driver there, Andrew. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think they were happy enough with Tim Slade. They just weren't necessarily happy with the whole Stone Brothers racing setup and what they were getting out of that team. Look, I, I'm, they talked about leaving the sport. I never thought they will. They seem to like sponsoring young drivers, and maybe the Tony Dalberto thing will be a good a good fit. But this is the third Wilson Security Racing we've had in three years. Mm. No new cars, Andrew, for Triple Eight this year. How many teams do you think will start focusing on the car of the future? Given it's so shaky future, it has. Well, look, we, the teams don't know what it is, and it's going to be at least two seasons away yet, and, you know, that is at least. So I think Triple A are going to have to rethink what they're doing if they were hoping to hang on to those cars. Everyone's going to have to develop new hardware under the existing guidelines because uh, you can't just drive the same cars round and round for the next two seasons minimum. Folks? Well, I don't believe that Triple Eight needs new cars. You know, the ones they've got are more than competitive and uh, front runners. So um, I think for once they can uh, have an easy work-wise transition into the new season and um, if necessary look at building new cars next year but as Andrew said you know nobody's building new cars with an eye towards or nobody's working towards car of the future because they just don't know enough about it so until everything's clear teams will build cars on an as-needed basis. Mm. Now folks will becoming a dad for Garth Tander change his on-track performances? Wouldn't have thought so hasn't 
affected other drivers didn't stop James Courtney winning the championship, did it? Mm. Andrew? He seemed to get better when he uh, after he had his uh, after he's had his son. I think sometimes it's sort of you know having a kid. You've got the full family, then you've got to start taking your uh, your work seriously. Garth already takes it seriously, but you know maybe it's time he goes. This is this is really it. This is really happening. It's time to uh, to get even better at this. So no, it won't affect him at all. All right, Andrew. Can Junior Johnson carry DJR in two double uh, two oh eleven? No, not as a championship challenger. So he can't make them a championship contending team. He's a, he's a good number two, and that's what he is. Unfortunately, they're going to really lack direction this year. I can't possibly see where the direction's going to come from. I think I know your answer, Fergs. Uh, I agree. No, he has to, because this is his last chance to show that he's up to being a team leader and a race-winning threat and a championship challenger, but... I just can't see it myself and, um, you know, so much of what was, you know, good at DJR has left the team because of all the squabbles last year and we're left with, you know, a downsized operation with a lot of new personnel and different personnel plus a new driver in James Moffat. So it's going to be up to Junior, you know, to lead the team um, and I think he'll have his work cut out just doing that. So um, being a contender, mm, unfortunately not. Mm. Well, folks, final question. Is Triple Eight going to be any different, any less of a threat under Adrian Burgess? I wouldn't have thought so. It's not as if Roland Dane is just abandoning ship and leaving it, you know, to sail off or float off on its own. No, Adrian Burgess is um, a very competent individual who um, was, you know, a vital part of the uh, revival of Dick Johnson Racing, which enabled them to win the championship last year. And after he gets settled over at Team Vodafone, uh, I wouldn't have thought they're going to skip a beat, particularly as Roland Dane will be hovering in their own equipment without being very good at what you do. Uh, you don't beat Triple Eight with their own equipment without being very good at what you do. Uh, Adrian was a huge player in DJR's uh, form in 2010, and I think he's only going to strengthen Triple Eight. This is an absolute masterstroke by Dane, and to me it significantly shortens the odds on Jamie Winkup for the title this year. He's going to be really tough to beat, and, and Burgess is going to play a big part in that. Well, thanks very much. That's Guess and Go for another week. Brought to you by VRDX Magazine, the new magazine out on sale now. And uh, thanks very much for you joining us, folks, and Andrew Van Llewellyn. Good on you, Craig. Good to chat. See you later, Andrew. No worries. See you guys very soon. As the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au. 